0: Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Now, as you know, I read hood classics and then I read books. Hood classics are books that I think are classics. Books are the cartel. And um, then I read... Books that I just think are really great. And I've talked about this before. Just good classics. And I'm telling you these three. The good classics are like the Phantom Tollbooth. And Maniac McGee. And Holes. And the children's books. I love young adult and children's books. They they make me happy. Like there's no pretense to them. They're just fun, joyful books. And I usually am able to enjoy every moment of them and it takes me back to a place where i um it takes me to two places one to a place where i have young wonderment and i'm just like uh still in awe of everything in the world um but another place where i'm an adult and i'm looking back at this like this couldn't have worked out this way or this wouldn't have been this way or this wasn't right and so it makes a really good conversation those are the good classics Hood Classics and Good Classics. And I'm telling you this because the next book I am reading, it's probably neither. I don't really want to sound like that person, but I'm just being honest with you. Um, I don't really know how to categorize the next book on my list. I just know that it was something that I felt... As a kid, like I, I really enjoyed the series as a kid. The Babysitters Club by Ann M Martin uh, is probably one of my favorite series of all time. Don't get me wrong um I used to really enjoy reading about these girls and 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 babysitting and go figure like I read books like you might be sitting there like, how'd you read Babysitters Club?" Well, I read uh, the Sweet Valley High series too. I just read. I read as long as we're together. I read, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Like, I just read. No matter what it was, I wanted to read it. And I had a lot of opportunity to read a lot of Babysitter Club books because they were right there. Now, I like the Babysitter's Club a lot more than I like the Boxcar Children. Boxcar Children was, all right, y'all supposed to be homeless. Y'all literally living out of a um, train boxcar. How y'all keep getting food? Like, whole meals. How y'all ain't starving? How ain't the cops been to your place yet? But Babysitter's Club was just one of those saccharin sweet stories where they would have like some sort of small issue and everything will work out at the end. They introduced me to the world of diabetes and to a place like Stony Brook, Connecticut. And then I realized that everybody in the book is rich because uh, I looked up there where they were living at and everybody's richly rich, but Then the Babysitter's Club started coming out with books that were super specials. Um, And the first super special that came out was Babysitters on Board. And when I read this book, I don't even remember how I got this book. It was clearly from either my aunt or one of my cousins. Um, But when I read this book the first time, I was like, oh, that's dope. I wish I could do that. And then I read it again as an adult. And when you read it as an adult, that's when you start to figure things out. Like, everything that they did in this book is impossible for a lot of people. And um, I'm trying to not cuss because it's a children's book. But can't be done by a whole lot of people. And also, this book is clearly sponsored by Disney. Okay? Okay. Let's get started. Oh! And this is literally dedicated to Anissa. One of y'all listeners out there. Good people. The Babysitter's Club. Super special one. Because if they're all special, then the only way to make it better than that is to be super special. I never even saw Babysitter's Club special book. All I saw was they went straight to super special. Maybe the specials weren't when they created Karen. And her sister, or her friends, yes, yes, the Babysitter's Club books have a character named Karen. There were not cell phones around yet, but she's a snitch. Funny, huh? (laughs) Babysitter's On Board by Anne M. Martin. Dear Mr. and Mrs. Brewer, also known as Watson and Mom, or Daddy and Elizabeth, and dear Mr. and Mrs. Pike, also known as Mom and Dad, this is a present from all of us. We want to say thank you for the great trip that you took us on. We all had a terrific time, the best time of our lives, and I've had the time of my life. I've never felt this way before. Never ever. We want you to know that. And we also want to remember it forever. That's why we made this book. We thought you should see for yourselves the fun we had and the things we learned. Believe us, this trip was better than any school field trip. Well, duh, it was a cruise. Like, if you compare a field trip to a cruise, we need to talk. I mean, yeah, you might, know nope. Kid Awesome has been on a lot of cruises, um, including one where he was like, 12 and at no point did he think it was like a school field trip because we literally went on the cruise right after we got back from a school field trip so he compared and contrasted them all the way through and the school field trip wasn't just a school field trip it was like a week at a campsite out here like a science campsite called sly park Made a song while I was there called Sly Park Road. I might put it on at the end of this episode. It was pretty dope. I wrote it. And yes, it was to the tune of Old Town Road, but I wrote it. Like, I'm dope. It was especially better than the trip to Pat's turkey farm. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Love, Christy, Marianne, Claudia, Stacy, Don, Sam, Charlie, David M., Karen, Karen, Andrew Mallory Byron Jordan Adam Vanessa Nikki Margot and Claire. Chapter One, Christie, we're here. We're actually here. I cried. I can't believe it. Haven't you ever been to the airport before? Christie asked my friend Don. Don Schaefer has taken lots of plane trips. Of course I've been in the airport, but I've never been on a plane. Oh, I am so excited. Now, remember, this is before 9-11, where just anybody could walk into an airport and watch the planes take off and land and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Christy, slow down, called my mother. She was standing at the entrance to the airport, struggling with suitcases and tote bags and plane tickets. I bet Christy didn't carry nothing. Bet you. Like, when my kids hopped off the airplane, man... It was like, don't y'all want to work on your muscles just a little bit? Like, if y'all don't pick this bag up... Mm. Don't get too far ahead. We have to stay together. I slowed to a stop. At that moment, I would have done anything anyone told me to do. That was how grateful I was that I was finally going to get on a plane and take a trip. First a cruise to the Bahamas, then on to Disney World for three wonderful days. Mom and Don and I weren't the only ones going on the trip. If you could believe it, I was traveling with 21 other people, my entire family, my friends in the babysitter's club, and all the Pikes. This is what happened. Mr. Pike, who's the father of a big family that the members of the babysitter's club take care of pretty often, won a contest at the company he works for. Everyone was trying to name some new product, and the company picked the name Mr. Pike thought of. Guess what his prize was? An all-expenses-paid vacation for him and his whole family. That's it. That's all it takes. You just got to name something, dude. I got names for days. Do you know how many podcasts I have? Do you really? I do names. I would have done that trip. The company booked them on a special group trip, a four day cruise to the Bahama Islands and then three days at Disney world in Florida. But this is the really exciting part. Miss Pike called our club to see if Marianne Spire and Stacy McGill would like to go along as mother's helpers. Because, you know, there's eight Pike kids. Team, leave it in for the win. She asked Marianne and Stacy because they had been mother's helpers when the Pikes took a two-week trip to the Jersey Shore. When well, my stepfather, Watson, heard about that and then found out that I had never been anywhere except in Western Connecticut visiting my cousin Robin, which was no big deal because I live in Stony Brook in Eastern Connecticut. He did some quick planning. The next thing I knew, my whole family, mom, Watson, my big brother, Sam and Charlie, my younger brother, David, Michael, my little stepsister and stepbrother, Karen and Andrew, and I, Christy Thomas, were going on the trip. So what I read right there was the Pikes won a uh, trip and decided to take Marianne and Stacy because they have been mother's helpers before. When Watson found out that Christie hadn't been invited because Watson is richly rich. He was like, forget that. My whole family going. Now what? Boom. And she ain't got a babysit. Just them two. Boom, boom. Money. <laughs> I'm rich, trick. That sort of thing. And so were Claudia Kishi and Don Schaefer, the remaining club members. They were going as our guests. Watson said he couldn't leave any members of the babysitter's club behind. The trip was truly a dream come true. A plane to Florida, then off on a cruise, and then three days at Disney World. The Babysitter's Club never had it so good. Now boarding at Gate 52, Flight 728. Repeat, Flight 728. That's us, I cried. Isn't that us, Mom? Watson? Yes, yes, it's us, honey, my mother replied. Does everyone have everything? I think you should say, does everyone have everybody? Spoke up David Michael. I laughed. I knew just what he meant. Seated in a group of uncomfortable airport chairs were mom, Watson, Sam and Charlie. They're 17 or 15. Seven year old David Michael, four year old Andrew, six year old Karen and Don and Claudia. Nearby were the Pikes, 11-year-old Mallory, the 10-year-old triplets, Adam, Byron, and Jordan, 9-year-old Vanessa, 8-year-old Nikki, 7-year-old Margot, and 5-year-old Claire, plus Mr. and Mrs. Pike, and Stacy and Marianne. Again, team leave it in. 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, and 5. Come on now. Come on now. Y'all better not have gotten a a room by yourselves on the ship. Otherwise, you're going to have twins when you get back home. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I just went on a cruise. Like, mm, I know what happens on cruises when you got a room by yourself. (laughs) You sleep. I took naps like every day. It was grand. Oh, my God. I took naps. I read books. I did whatever I wanted. I mean that in all the ways. We also had a balcony. That was dope too. I began to feel nervous. I hoped we could all stay together without too much trouble. Okay, said Watson standing up. Stay with me now because I got your plane tickets. Make sure you remember your knapsacks and cameras and purses. I patted my knapsack. I could feel my camera inside. It was brand new. Watson had bought it for me the week before. I couldn't wait to start using it. All my friends had brought their cameras along too. None of us wanted to forget anything we saw. Tell me again where our suitcases went, said Andrew worriedly. We checked them, I told him. Don't worry, someone will put them on the plane for us. We'll get them after we land in Florida. Okay, said Andrew, but he still looked concerned. I took Andrew and Karen by the hand then, and followed Watson to a woman in uniform who checked the tickets, then smiled and let us all walk by. We entered a long tunnel. ''Where are we?'' I asked Don and Claudia. They were right behind me. ''We're on the walkway to the plane,'' Don replied. ''I've been on dozens of these.'' ''It smells funny in here,'' said Karen, holding her nose. ''Like coffee, only worse.'' When we reached the plane, the flight attendant looked at the batch of tickets in Watson's hand again. Then we stepped inside. ''Hey, Andrew, David Michael, Karen, look in there,'' I cried, pointing. ''That's the cockpit.'' ''What's a cockpit? asked Andrew cockpit Karen told him witheringly it's where the pilot sits right Christy it's where the pilot controls the plane said David Michael see all those instruments he added importantly maybe the flight attendant said to Andrew Karen and David Michael you can look around the cockpit and meet the pilot later really exclaimed David Michael the man nodded you might even earn your flying wings he said mysteriously But at the moment, said Watson, who was way ahead of us down the aisle of the plane, you're holding up traffic, so come find your seats. Whoa, I said as I took off after Watson and Mom. I didn't know planes were this big. They look so skinny from the outside. Rows of nine seats were arranged across the plane, with two aisles separating them. Two seats, five seats, then two more seats. What the heck plane is that? Why they do that at, Bob? Where where we took our flight, there were rows of six, like, well, rows of three on each side and then a walkway down the middle. And we sat on, we called it the Rosa Parks flight because every time we got on the flight, we had to go to the very back. Not because our tickets were uh, situated in the back, but because you got to choose whatever seat you wanted. And by the time we got there, you know, seats were in the back. Ah, what's that fuss? Um, Yeah. Bathroom didn't smell bad. At least they fixed that part. Nobody blew it up. You know saying you're going to blow up the bathroom as you walk past somebody on an airplane is frowned upon nowadays? Did not know that. Know that now. Dawn and Claudia and I sat in the middle five seats with Sam and Charlie. It would have been more fun to sit with Stacy and Marianne, but they were busy with the pikes. I buckled my seatbelt. Then I looked through the stuff in the pocket at the back of the seat in front of me. Emergency instructions, boring magazine, barf bag... "'Ew! Hey!' I exclaimed a few minutes later. "'We're moving!' And suddenly the plane was in the air and the flight had begun. "'Hey, Christie! look!' David Michael, who was sitting behind me, poked something between my seat and Don's. "'It's a barf bag!' he exclaimed gleefully. "'Oh no! Look at that!' said Claudia, pointing across the aisle. "'Margo Pike is using hers! Ew, ew, ew!' Poor Margo, added Don. Stacy said she gets car sick. I guess she gets air sick too. Soon, lunch was served. Karen and Andrew nearly became hysterical with excitement. Remember that? Remember when I used to serve you food on an airplane other than nuts and, and a half a cup of soda? Remember? 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 No? Okay, just a second. Look at all this great stuff, Karen cried. Salt packages, pepper packages, sugar packages, handy towelettes, even salad dressing. We better save everything, Andrew. You never know when we might need it. Take my stuff, I told her, handing my packets back to them. And mine, added Don, Claudia, Sam, and Charlie. Thanks, said Karen. But where are we going to put it all? Put it in a bark bag, said Don. That's what my brother Jeff always does. After lunch, the flight attendant kept his promise. He took Karen, Andrew, David Michael, and three of the Pike kids, including Margot, who had recovered, up to the cockpit to look around. While they were gone, I got an idea. I called to and Stacy. Hey, can you guys come here, just for a few minutes? Stacy looked around. Mallory and Vanessa were reading, and the triplets were leaning over their seats, talking to their parents. I guess so, she replied. Everything seems to be under control. Stacy and Marianne unbuckled their seatbelts and walked unsteadily across the aisle. Right. So I had to stop and look back. Like I could have swore Mallory was a part of the babysitters club. I really did. But they put her in later on when they finally got inclusive and added a black person. That's no joke. Like they finally added a black person to the books. And that's when uh, Mallory became a junior officer. Uh with the babysitter's club it's her and jesse ramsey so that's why they're not talking about her as a part of the babysitter's club in this book okay 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 what's up marianne asked me i was just thinking since all five of us are on this trip we should hold club meetings every day just short ones you know so we can keep track of what the kids are up to sure agreed claudia that's a good idea one more thing, I went on. It was awfully nice of Watson and Mom and the Pikes to take us on this trip. I mean, even the two of us are along as babysitters and sort of have to work for it. I'll say it was nice, said Don. So maybe we should think of something nice to do for them. Some special kind of thank you. Maybe from all the kids on the trip. See, I don't know how this cruise is. We're going to see in a bit. But the cruise we were on, they have a kids club that you check your kids into. And that's that. Like you check your kids into the kids club and you literally never see them again. They have all sorts of activities and stuff. I mean, my kids were too old to be in that kids club at this point in time. But like they didn't have nothing like that back when this book came out. When did this book come out? This book came out in 88. I was eight. Yes, said Marianne. Definitely. It has to be a really good idea. I said firmly. We'll think of something, Stacy assured me. We got a week to do it. Don't worry. At that moment, Karen, Andrew, David, Michael, and the pikes returned. They walked proudly down the aisle with little gold pins in the shape of wings attached to their shirts. I think this means we're junior pilots now, Daddy, said Karen as she climbed back into her seat. That's very impressive, Watson replied seriously. Marianne and Stacy went back to the pike kids. The flight continued. David Michael accidentally pressed his flight attendant call button three times. The stewardess smiled the first two times, but by the third time she looked cross. I took Karen to one of the tiny bathrooms at the back of the plane, which was an adventure for both of us. There was barely room for two people in it, and for the longest time we couldn't figure out how to lock the door. When we were ready to leave, we couldn't figure out how to unlock it. I nearly had a heart attack. I was never so relieved as when we got back to our seats. At last, the pilot announced we'll be landing in five minutes. I checked my seatbelt six times. Karen squealed with excitement. Nikki Pike, who was sitting by a window, exclaimed, Awesome! Margot Pike threw up. When the plane landed, I turned to my friends. We're here. We're in Florida. I am so, so excited, I cried. Chapter 2. Dawn. I'll tell you something. I've done a lot of traveling. When I was little... I lived on the West Coast, and all my grandparents lived on the East Coast. Now my parents are divorced, and I live in Connecticut with my mom and brother, but my dad still lives in California. All in all, I've flown back and forth across the country 11 times. But I've never been on a cruise ship. In fact, I'd never even seen one, unless you count the love boat, or the ship that the Ricardos and Mertzes went to Europe on in the I Love Lucy show I saw once. The Ocean Princess was bigger than anything I expected. Sure, the love boat looked big when it was photographed from the air, but I really was not prepared for the gigantic ship I stood before with my friends and Chrissy's family and the Pikes. Amazing, I murmured. I brushed my long hair back from my face so I could see better. The ocean princess just seemed to go on and on and on, and up and up and up. I couldn't wait to get off the dock and on the ship. But crowds of people were trying to board it, and everyone had to wait their turn. It says here, said Marianne, who was standing next to me holding a pamphlet about the ship, that there are swimming pools on board. Pools? I interrupted. More than one? Yep, replied Marianne. She was squinting in the bright sunlight. Boy, I hope I don't get sunburned. Anyway, there are pools, a beauty parlor, a barber shop, a cafe, a disco, stores, and restaurants. Hey, there's even a health spa. Yeah, that sounds about right. All of that. Barbershop, I think, I think there is one in the spa nowadays. I don't believe it, I exclaimed. I was so impressed that I pulled my camera out of my purse and snapped two pictures of the docked ship. The crowd inched forward. When we were halfway up the gangplank, I turned around and looked behind me. A stream of excited passengers were waiting aboard the ship. I hope all these people are nice, I whispered to Chrissy with a giggle, because they're going on to Disney World with us. We have to live with them for a week. Yeah, they do have packages like that where you go on a cruise and then you go to Disney World and it's like a, a, you know, a group thing. Thing is, those cruises, well, you'll see. More important, said Christy, you and Claudia and I are going to be sharing a room for a week. We'll be bunkies like a camp, I said. I hope you don't mind a mess, said Christy. I'm not the neatest person in the world. No kidding, I replied. Christie's locker at school was famous. It was one of the ones in which you might find a four-month-old lunch. Her room was always a wreck, and she never wore a dress if she could help it. Just jeans and sneakers and stuff. Really? said Christy. I hope it won't bother you, since you're kind of, uh, neat. Spotless, I said quickly. Well, it's only for a week, said Christy. How bad can it be? Right, I said. We'll both have to do a little compromising, that's all. A little compromising might have worked fine, if our cabin hadn't been so tiny. It's it's just like a hotel, isn't it? I said brightly. A sort of minuscule hotel, added Christy. Yeah, I hope there's room for all my stuff, said Claudia. Claudia had brought along more suitcases than anyone else on the trip. She dumped them on a bed, opened them, and began hanging things up in the closet. Leave some room for us, I exclaimed. I glanced at Christy, but Christy wasn't paying attention. This room is cute. It's little, but it's cute, she said. Two bunk beds, two dressers, a desk, four little chairs. Hey, everything's bolted to the floor. Oh, wow, I cried. I guess that's in case the ship starts rolling around. Gosh, look at all this great free stuff. They even left mints on our pillows. I opened the door to the bathroom. And in here is soap. Oh, and little bottles of shampoo. Look at this, called Christy. Four new decks of playing cards with the Ocean Princess on the backs. Christy removed the cellophane from around the cards and dropped it on the floor. I picked it up and threw it in a wastebasket. Christy changed her shirt and slung the dirty one over a chair. I folded it and placed it on Christy's suitcase. Christy folded her arms across her chest. Are you going to do this all week? She asked me. Maybe, I replied. Christie crossed her eyes at me, and we both started laughing. A low, booming sound filled the air. Hey, that's the ship's whistle, I cried. We're leaving. Let's go watch. But I'm not unpacked yet, said Claudia. Forget it, I told her. You don't want to miss this. Believe me. We dashed out of our cabin and found Mary Ann, Stacy, Karen Brewer, and five of the pikes in a narrow hallway. We all ran outside to the nearest deck railing. A crowd stood on the dock below, waving to the people on the ship. Goodbye, goodbye, we called, even though we didn't know anyone. The people on the dock were waving and calling out things like, Bon voyage, and have a great trip, and see you in a week. One woman shouted, Jimmy, don't you dare forget to change your underwear. And another woman was silently waving a handkerchief. Tears glistened in her eyes. Then someone behind me tossed out a streamer, which unrolled as it went over the side of the ship. Someone else threw a handful of confetti, then more and more until it was snowing little colored pieces of paper. It was noisy and confusing and exciting. Slowly, the boat pulled away from the dock. When the face in the crowd grew so distant that they melted together, my friends and I returned to our cabins. But before Christy and Claudia entered ours, I said, Let's find out where everyone else's cabins are. I know we're all here in this hallway. We began peeking in doorways. We found Christie's brothers in the cabin to our right, and Watson, Karen, Andrew, and Christy's mom in the cabin to our left. The Pikes, Marianne, and Stacy took up the four cabins next to Christie's brothers. We got almost the whole corridor to ourselves," exclaimed Claudia. Pretty cool. Well, let's go tidy up our cabin, I suggested brightly. Now, replied Christie. what's wrong with it? Girls, girls, Claudia jumped in. Lighten up. This is our vacation, Don. We're not supposed to spend it cleaning. It's also only the first day of our vacation. I hope you two aren't going to argue for the rest of the week. It'll drive me crazy. You're right, said Christy. I'm sorry, but I don't like it when people pick up after me. I didn't mean to, I said. I mean, I didn't mean to bug you. Listen, if you don't mind, I'm going to go exploring. I turned around and checked the number on our cabin door. Then I walked off. I hoped I'd be able to find my way back later without too much trouble. It would be awfully embarrassing to get lost and need someone to show me the cabin P7. I left the corridor, turned a couple of corners, and climbed a short flight of stairs. Then I pushed through a doorway, tripped, pitched forward, and ran directly into the most absolutely gorgeous, handsome, perfect, wonderful boy I've ever laid eyes on. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, I exclaimed, as we sorted ourselves out. I wasn't look. I mean, I wasn't paid. That's okay, said the boy, grinning. His grin was as gorgeous and handsome and perfect and wonderful as the rest of him. Why aren't there guys like him in Stony Brook Middle School, I wondered. The boy's eyes were a deep brown and they searched mine intently, as though, maybe, he could read my thoughts if he concentrated hard enough. His teeth, which I had noticed when he smiled, were even, except for a space between the top two middle ones. The space was cute and his hair, which was the last thing I noticed, mostly because I felt as if my blue eyes were locked to his brown ones, was light brown and very straight, until the ends, where it curled into little tendrils. Some ship, huh? said the boy. I'll say, I agreed. We'd reached one of the outside decks, and we leaned against the railing, gazing at the sparkling ocean. I can't believe all the great stuff that's on board. Me neither, I replied. The boy and I smiled at each other. I'm traveling with my friends, I said. A whole big group of us. Who are you traveling with? The boy didn't answer. He looked at his watch. Oh, wow. I've really got to get going. I I promise I'll come right back. See you. And he turned and strode away, leaving me alone at the railing. What did I do wrong, I wondered. Was my question totally boring? And then I thought, I don't care if it was. That was the most gorgeous guy I've ever seen, and I'm not going to let him get away. At least, not this easily. This is a dream vacation, and I just found my dream boy. Yes, I read these. Yes. No, really, yes. And I was like, yeah, she found a dream boy. Yay. Chapter three, Marianne. Um, Vanessa, could you please hurry up just a little? I asked patiently. Vanessa Pike is the slowest person I've ever met. Miss Pike once told me that she sometimes had to wake Vanessa 20 minutes before the rest of the Pike kids in order for her to get ready for school on time. And even so, she's usually the last kid out the door. I'm hurrying. Really, I am, said Vanessa. I just have to lace my sneakers up. At least she's not talking in rhymes, I thought, which is what she did during the entire two weeks we spent in Sea City. Vanessa wants to be a poet when she grows up. Vanessa slowly pulled the lace of one shoe through an eyelet. She stopped to untwist it, then pulled it through the next eyelet. I glanced at Mallory, who was sharing a cabin with Vanessa and me. Without a word, we lunched for Vanessa. We each grabbed a foot and laced her sneakers for her. I didn't know what my friends or the rest of the pikes were up to, but I wasn't about to spend half the day waiting for Vanessa to lace her shoes. Let's go see what everyone wants to do, I suggested. Come on, you guys. Vanessa and Mallory and I left our cabin. Next door was a cabin Stacy was sharing with Claire and Margot. Next to them was a boy's cabin. It, it, another thing. So, if I work for this company and I won this vacation because I named something a really cool name, which I could do. And they found out that I have 51 kids. I think they just offered me a cash prize. Here's a thousand dollars. Because, because a cruise in today's day and age is not cheap. So I know that a cruise back then also wasn't cheap. Hold on. See, moments like this where I shake my fist at inflation and just get mad at the way things are all working out. Because in 1988, a cruise per person cost the same as it does now. It's like $990 per person. So, I mean ain't nothing changed for what's worth. Y'all thought I was going to get mad? Nope, I'm like ain't it ain't really changed. I mean, I don't know how long this cruise was back in 1990, 7 to 10 days. $990. Huh. Okay, I still wouldn't have invited that whole family. I'd have been like, "Uh, yeah, nah. On second thought, y'all stay here." We just gonna send y'all some pictures of the cruise and the dow wow. Okay? We good? We good. The triplets and Nikki had been given a room to themselves. I had a feeling this wasn't a very safe arrangement, but it was the best one the Pikes could work out. Besides, the boys' rooms adjoined their parents, so how much trouble could they get into? I knocked on the door to Stacy's cabin and then on the boys' door. The kids met in the hall. So, what does everybody want to do? I asked. Go exploring, said Nikki. Go swimming, said Claire. Go eat, said Byron, who's always hungry. Play video games, said Adam. Look at the ocean, said Mallory dreamily. Find a candy machine, said Margo. Read, said Vanessa. Look for people wearing goofy bathing caps and laugh at them, said Jordan. Well, I've got news, Stacy spoke up. Your mom and dad said you older ones, Mallory, Byron, Adam, and Jordan, don't have to stick to an adult. You can go off on your own as long as you behave yourself. Awesome, exclaimed the triplets, and they started to run off. Behaving yourselves, I called after them, means no running and no laughing at people. Got it? The boys slowed down. Got it, said Adam solemnly. Then he grinned devilishly at his brothers. They headed down the corridor. Oh, brother, I thought. Please just let them stay out of major trouble. Mallory asked to go off by herself. So Stacy and I decided to divide up the four remaining pikes. Since the idea of exploring seemed kind of interesting, I chose Nikki. Then, Vanessa? I said. You don't really want to read right now, do you? Come on and take a look at the ship. Alright, she agreed. Nikki, Vanessa, and I headed off in one direction, and Stacy, Margot, and Claire in another, in search of a candy machine in the swimming pool. Let's start on the very bottom deck and work our way up, I suggested. We'll see what's on every deck. Great, said Vanessa and Nikki. And we did just that. The bottom deck, which was called the island deck, turned out to be rather dull. Just cabins, commented Nikki, sounding disappointed. The bottom deck for us was literally the place where you would get off the ship for uh, excursions and whatnot. It was also where the medical was, and I think it's where the crew stayed at. There were no cabins on board the bottom deck. The next level, the dolphin deck wasn't much better. Our cabins and the purser's office were there. That was all. Oh, yeah, their cabins are there and they got the cheap, cheap, cheap cabins. Cheap. Cheap. Because if the ship goes down, guess who's down there? Cheap. What's a purser? Asked Nicky as we climbed the stairs to the third level. He's the officer in charge of money, I told him. Could I ask him for a loan? Just a couple of bucks? I doubt it, I said smiling. The third level, the Providence deck, was a bit better. We found more cabins, but we also found the ship's doctor, the infirmary, and a large restaurant called the Pirate's Den. Whoa, said Nicky, gazing around at the Pirate's hats and swords and eye patches that decorated the walls of the restaurant. I hope we get to eat in here. But, said Vanessa warily as we passed the infirmary, I hope we don't have to go in there. The coastal deck was where we found the Flamingo K restaurant, the barber shop, and the Seven Seas Beauty Salon, as well as more cabins. Ooh, Marianne, said Vanessa as we stepped inside the beauty salon. Look, you can get your nails painted, even your toenails. Yeah, I replied vaguely. I was looking at a girl who was standing at the appointment desk, apparently waiting for someone to help her. She had masses of dark, wavy hair that cascaded over her shoulders and partway down her back, and she was wearing one of the skimpiest bikinis I'd ever seen. Even though she looked just a little older than me, she had a figure that filled out the top of the bikini nicely. Wow, I said softly. I was highly impressed. The girl turned around then, and I blushed. I hope she hadn't overheard me. That would have been too, too embarrassing. But when she saw me, all she did was smile and say, "'Honestly? Traveling alone is such a bore. I have to do everything for myself. Make hair appointments, talk to the purser. Have you ever traveled alone?' I shook my head. "'Well, I don't recommend it,' said the girl. "'It's bad enough that my parents got kid—' "'Alexandra Carmody?' interrupted a young woman who had stepped up to the desk. "Lynette is ready for you now.' "'Thank you,' said Alexandra. She turned to me. "'Excuse me. I've got to go. I have to get ready for my date tonight.' Alexandra followed one of the hairdressers to a row of sinks. I stared after her, open mouth. What had she been about to say to me? That her parents had been killed? How horrible. Maybe that wasn't it at all, though. Maybe she was going to say... I couldn't think of another word that started with "K that made sense, though. Kicked? Kissed? Nah. Imagine that. An orphan. Plus, she was so sophisticated. I could never, I decided, never in a million billion years be as sophisticated as Alexandra Carmody. Alexandra was even more sophisticated than Stacy or Claudia. Marianne? Nicky was tugging at my hand. Come on, he said. This is boring. Let's go. We continued our explorations. On the tropical deck, we found a stage and a the theater for live productions, a casino with slot machines. For adults only, I noticed sadly. A room full of video games. Awesome, exclaimed both Vanessa and Nicky. A lounge, a pub, and a little restaurant called the Moonlight Cafe. This is my favorite deck so far, announced Vanessa, and I had to agree. I'm not going to say which is my favorite until I've seen them all, said Nikki wisely. And after we had toured the sixth level, the Moondance deck, he said, Well, this sure isn't my favorite. The moon dance deck contained only luxury cabins, the children's recreation room, and a children's pool. Baby stuff, Nicky scoffed as we passed the kids' area. But he perked up on the starlight deck. We found another cafe, two fancy swimming pools, an ice cream parlor, a disco, a teen center, a bar, and, best of all, a movie theater. Presents ten movies a day, I read on the sign outside the theater. Ten movies! All thoughts of Alexandra Carmody flew out of my head. I love movies. Old ones, new ones, love stories, space adventures, stories about kids in high school. I'm changing my mind, I told Nikki and Vanessa. I think the Starlight Deck is my favorite. It might be mine too, said Nikki. But look, we have at least one more deck to go. He pointed up a short flight of stairs where an arrow indicated the way to the Sun Deck. The Sun Deck which turned out to be the very top deck of the ship, might not have been the most interesting level, but it certainly turned out to be the most exciting. At first, it simply seemed, as Vanessa noted, too healthy. It was where he found the largest of the swimming pools, a jogging track, lounge chairs, and a health spa. Boring, said Nicky. But just then, Vanessa exclaimed, Hey, look! What? I cried. In a corner of the deck sat a shabby life raft. A tarp had been pulled over it. What's so great about an old raft? asked Nicky. Not the raft, the head, cried Vanessa. Sure enough, a sandy-haired head was peeking out of the raft. A hand moved the tarp partway aside. The head poked even further up, and then, in one swift movement, the tarp was shoved off, and a tall boy leaped out of his hiding space and darted down a flight of steps. After him, cried Nicky. Nicky and Vanessa chased the boy, and I chased Nicky and Vanessa, but the boy had gotten a head start. By the time we reached the bottom of the staircase that he had run down, he was nowhere in sight. Awesome! exclaimed Nicky for the umpteenth time that day. And Vanessa said, I can't believe it. I cannot believe it. Do you know what, Marianne? There's a stowaway on the ocean princess. Chapter 4. Mallory See, Mallory gets stuff, and she's not even part of the babysitter's club. She just, she you knew from here that she was going to get to be down with the crew. See, I wish I'd seen that. Real eyes, real eyes, man. It was perfect. Absolutely perfect. I couldn't ask for a better arrangement. The thing is, I had just finished reading Harriet the Spy. Well, not really just finished, but pretty recently. I had finished it about a week before my family left on our trip, and I wanted to be just like Harriet. Well, not really just like her, since she had a lot of problems, but I wanted to keep a notebook like hers, a notebook in which I could write down things about people. And I couldn't imagine a better place to do that than on a huge ship full of people. There were bound to be some interesting ones to write about. Now, I know Harriet's notebook got her in trouble, but I wanted to keep one anyway. I'd just be extra careful that my notebook wasn't discovered the way Harriet's was. Besides, I'd be writing mostly about strangers, not about people I knew. i told myself that if mom or anyone else caught me, I could say this was a writing exercise, which was true. And which would sound believable, since I might become a writer one day. You never know. The perfect part of the arrangement came when Stacy announced that us older pikes, the triplets and me, were allowed to go off on our own. We didn't have to stick with mom or dad or Stacy or Mary Ann. Not that I don't like them, and not that Stacy and Mary Ann aren't a lot of fun, but it sure was going to be easier to spy and to write in my notebook if I could look around the ship alone. So after the triplets ran off with big plans to go find people wearing goofy bathing caps and laugh at them, I started to go off too. Don't you want to come exploring with Nikki and Vanessa and me? asked Mary Ann. I did. I really did but not as much as I wanted to go spying. Thanks, I said, but I'll look around by myself. I rolled my eyes, trying to make Marianne think I had had it up to here with Vanessa, and Marianne grinned. Then I pretended to leave. I walked away, but after I had rounded a corner, I hid behind the door until I seen Marianne go off in one direction with Nikki and Vanessa, and Stacy go off in the other with Margot and Claire. Then I ducked back into the cabin I was sharing with Vanessa and Marianne. I rummaged around in my suitcase until I found the new spying book I had bought three days ago. It was a spiral notebook with a shiny green cover. As a precaution, I would written, "Our Trip, a daily diary across the front. That was something that sounded fairly boring, should the book happen to fall into the wrong hands. Not that I'd be careless enough to leave the diary where someone might find it. I grabbed a pen out of my purse and was ready to go. But where? The ship was huge. I'd seen a diagram of it showing where the shops and restaurants and swimming pools and everything were. There were eight decks on the ship, from the island deck on the bottom to the sun deck on the top. At least I wouldn't have to worry much about running into my brothers and sisters. If you wanted to, you could probably get lost on the ocean princess. I decided to start my spying right where I was, on the dolphin deck. But all I found were cabins, cabins, and more cabins. No people. No interesting people anyway. Maybe I needed an interesting deck in order to find interesting people. I made my way up to the tropical deck. That was the level with the theater, a casino, a video games room, and some restaurants and stuff. My luck up there was much better. Trying to look inconspicuous, I settled myself on a lounge chair on the veranda that wound around the deck. Almost the first person who walked towards me was a girl about Stacy and Mary Ann's age, or maybe a little older, with long, dark, wavy hair. She was wearing the teeniest bikini you can imagine, and she looked as sophisticated as if she had just stepped out of a fancy penthouse apartment in New York City. She paused to look at the ocean, and soon a cute boy paused next to her. He smiled at her in this sort of coy way. Gosh, maybe something like that will happen to me someday. Great view, said the boy. Look, you can still see land. The girl yawned. "'It is great, I guess. "'It's just that it's no big deal. "'I mean, for me. "'I live down here.' "'Darn. "'So she wasn't a New Yorker after all.' "'Well,' the girl went on. "'I live here when I'm not making movies.' "'You're an actress?' said the boy. "'Wow.' "'He took the girl by her elbow and they sauntered off together.' "'I wrote furiously, trying to get down everything I had heard. "'When I was finished, the boy and girl were gone.' But I stayed right where I was, like a fisherman who's caught a trout and decides he's found a lucky spot on the riverbank. A few people strolled by me on the veranda, no one out of the ordinary. Then this old man came by. The thing that made me notice him was that he just looked so sad. He leaned against a railing and stared out at the water. I knew he was thinking of something else. And that the something, whatever it was, made him feel just awful. I was right in the middle of inventing a tragic past for the man when I caught sight of Christy and Claudia. Oh no! I didn't want them to see me, but it was too late to get up and hide. I scrunched myself against the back of the lounge chair and bent over as far as I could. At least they wouldn't be able to see my face. They walked right by and I could tell that, like the man, they weren't really seeing the ocean or anything else. They were very caught up in their conversation. I know I'm a slob, Christy was saying, but why should it matter to Dawn? Can't she ignore it? I don't know, Claudia replied. Why don't? Excuse me, said a third voice, and I dared to look up. The old man has stopped Christie and Claudia. Do you have the time? he asked them. Sure, replied Christie. It's three forty five. Thank you, said the man. You're welcome. Christie smiled at him, and she and Claudia walked on. I left the veranda then. It might have been a good fishing hole, but I was too exposed there. I found a flight of stairs and walked up one level to the moon dance deck. At first, it didn't seem like much. Just the children's recreation area and pools and more cabins. But after I walked by a cabin with its door open, I realized there weren't just any cabins. They were luxury cabins. Huge. I decided to wander through those corridors for a while. Maybe I see the sophisticated girl again. If she was a big time actress, she probably had a luxury cabin. I didn't see her. What I did see was more interesting in the girl, more sad than the old man, and very curious. I turned a corner, and coming towards me down the hall was a woman pushing a little boy in an impossibly small wheelchair. "'We're almost there, Mark,' she was saying. "'Just wait till you see our room.' "'I can't wait, Mom,' exclaimed Mark, but I could tell he wasn't feeling as excited as he wanted his parents to think he was. "'I know because I've done that with my parents.' Sometimes, you have to protect parents and their feelings. I stepped aside and sort of flattened myself against the wall to let them go by, but it wasn't necessary. The woman stopped when they were a few yards away from me and entered one of the cabins. This is it, she announced, steering Mark into the room. I didn't hear Mark's reply. That was because I was too busy noticing, for the first time, who and what had been between Mark and his mother. The first person was one of the ship's stewards, wheeling a huge oxygen tank. He was followed by another steward with a second tank, and he was followed by a well-dressed man, Mark's father, carrying a black box labeled, Medication, Refrigerate. They all disappeared into the cabin with Mark and his mother, and the door closed behind them. Wow, what was that all about? I barely had time to scribble a few notes about Mark in my spying book before someone else came through the corridor. And when I saw him, I nearly passed out. The guy was about 20 years old with thick red hair. You know, that color that's so red, you're just sure he was called Carrot Top when he was little. He had flashing blue eyes. And when he grinned as he squeezed by, I could see that he was missing one of his bottom teeth. Why did I almost faint? Because the guy was Spider from the Insects, my favorite group. I was sure of it. He's famous for that missing tooth. He lost it during a show when he hit himself in the mouth with his own electric guitar. I was just dying to ask him for his autograph, but I couldn't work up the nerve. What if he was one of those famous people who hated to be asked for his autograph? I watched him disappear. Little did I know, there was even more excitement to come. I had barely recovered from my spider sighting when I stepped onto the deck, for some fresh air, and what should I see but a sandy-haired boy who climbed out of a huge pile of coiled rope, looked cautiously in all directions, and then ran through a corridor into the ship. A stowaway, I wrote in my notebook. I think there's a stowaway on board the Ocean Princess. It was almost too much to take. What an afternoon I'd had. Spider, a stowaway, and all those other people. I decided to keep my notebook with me at all times if possible. I'd have to figure out some ways to hide it in my clothing. This was going to be one exciting voyage, and I didn't want to miss a thing. 916-633-1537. Ratchet, and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Leave a review on Spotify. All you got to do is tap the button underneath the show's name. Uh, leave a review on pod chaser copy and paste that into apple Podcasts, and then copy and paste that in the good pods thank you to everybody's been checking us out on good pods and also on pod chaser i greatly do appreciate it uh you can also donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast uh, buymeacoffee.com slash sscast and on the good pods app there's a tip jar thank y'all so much for listening i greatly appreciate it y'all be good i'm gonna holler at you later peace